Welcome to the Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 16 years. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss critical issues facing government and industry leaders in using information technology to improve healthcare and healthcare services. With me on today's show are Ryan Argentieri, Deputy Director of the Office of Technology National Coordinator for Health IT, Dr. Neil Evans, Acting Chief Information Officer for U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs and Chief Officer for VA's Office of Connected Care, Bill Tinson, Director, Federal Electronic Health Record Modernization Program, Holly Jors, Program Executive Director, Defense Health Management Systems, Mobin Vade, Advisory Solution Consultant, ServiceNow Federal Healthcare, Nick Saki, Principal Technology Strategist at Pure Storage, and Ben Cushing, Federal Health and Science Lead at Red Hat. What a big topic, what a timely topic, and what a fantastic panel. Ryan, we're going to start with you. Give us the state of the state, the top line. Uh, perhaps you want to tell our audience, what does the National Coordinator for Health IT do? And then uh, what's up over there? Sure. Thanks, Luke, for having us. Um, well, at ONC, we work on the standardization of healthcare data and the management of electronic health information with EHRs uh, and also coordination of standards-based approaches to uh, that EHI across uh, the federal government and then with industry partners. So uh, we've been very busy, as you can imagine, the past few years and especially since last March. Um, and what we've been doing and what we're seeing great progress with is increased and enhanced standardization of healthcare data that ultimately helps improve the quality of care. We have uh, launched and standardized the US, uh, USCDI, which is the United States Core Data for Interoperability, a standardized set of health data classes and constituent data elements that help support and enable nationwide interoperable health information exchange. You'll see this uh, at ONC on an ongoing basis. This is a transparent consensus-based process by which our federal partners, and again, others from uh, nonprofit associations, industry and the like, provider organizations submit their uh, maturity levels for new data classes and elements. But this USCDI really establishes the floor through which we can kind of come together to exchange information. Uh, it's a public public process, uh, and it lays. Uh, we're seeing that it's really laying the foundation to tackle some of the problems that we're seeing that are more pervasive um, throughout throughout our system. Um, and I know some of our some of our other panelists will speak to some of those challenges. So I'll, I'll stop there. But um, the other uh, item that you that uh, ONC has been very busy with is helping to really play more uh, a stronger presence as coordinator and bringing together partners federal space, state and local governments, um, territories and tribal communities to understand what the real problems have been since the start of the pandemic and help to educate and kind of uh, bridge the lack of understanding that we find is uh, often the case where technology needs to be, uh, where there needs to be kind of a, a veil that's uh, lifted and to help bring people to the table to build consensus again and uh, really make sure that information is moving in a way that benefits both the providers who are treating patients, but also the patients themselves. Neil, how about over at uh, the Veterans Affairs? A lot of activity going on over there. I always like to ask first, 
Uh, just make sure you tell the audience how big and massive Veterans Affairs is, and then tell us uh, what's happening over there at Veterans Affairs. You got a new role right now. You're in a dual role. That's right, Luke. Um, it's exciting to be here um, talking about healthcare IT. As you mentioned, let's talk a little bit about the VA um, first. The VA, um, you know, our mission is to fulfill President Lincoln's promise to care for um, those who have borne the battle um, for their widows and their orphans uh, by serving and honoring the men and women who are America's veterans. And we have a pretty broad mission in VA, um, more than 350,000 employees coming to work every day to serve veterans, whether it is delivering um, and, and supporting benefits delivery, our team and memorial fair, affairs who are um, running and supporting um, families at, at challenging times in their lives as, as, as they've lost veterans um, um, who are veteran cemeteries. But today we're talking about healthcare IT, where we um, in the VA take care of uh, more than 6 million patients a year at our healthcare facilities, more than 1,400 facilities uh, across the enterprise, across the, the United States, all 50 states, territories, et cetera. And so a, a pretty big mission, a very large healthcare system, um, and one where we're caring for veterans in the community, um, I mean, in our healthcare facilities, where we're coordinating care with our community partners. And interestingly, where over the last, uh, during the pandemic, we've been actually delivering care through part of our fourth mission um, to, um, to support uh, the American healthcare system in the time of this public health crisis, uh, delivering care actually even to non-veterans as part of our, our fourth mission. So really a pretty broad perspective and underlying all of that, of course, is a lot of technology, health information technology that powers our ability um, to, to get the right data to our healthcare providers at the right time um, and to support veterans in having access to the information that they need to understand their own healthcare and to take control of that and as, as they manage their own health journeys. Bill, how about at the Electronic Health Records Program? A lot of activity going on there. You're right smack in the middle of information sharing. Give us a state of the state about uh, how things are going there. Uh, thanks, Luke. Um, at the firm, we're about the things that we do together, right? We're at the, we're the it's the Federal Electronic Health Record Modernization uh, Office that, uh, that I'm representing today. And, and we're between all of the things that Neil talked about and that ONC is doing. ONC sets the stage for all of us on the interoperability and the IT standards, and we participate with them. Um, and they're actually setting up a new, a new uh, work group or committee, I'm, I'm not sure which it's called, where they bring all the EHR or potential federal EHR users together so that we get to the right answers. But the firm is set up in that between the DOD and the VA, and we brought the Coast Guard in at this point, uh, on the things that we do together. So the operation of the, the common federal health record that we've created about the patient, not who delivered the care, or where the care was delivered. So, so that space where we need standards, we need common uh, workflows, we have a single enclave, we need to protect the, the data in a consistent way, uh, and we need to, to make sure that we get the right capabilities delivered to the, the military health system as well as the VA health system so that uh, the two systems can work together we can get beyond interoperability, at least where the two systems are concerned because we're using a single common record about the patient. We're transforming 
the experience for the patient and the providers from, from what I think of is akin to how telephones used to work, right? I would call your home, Luke, or, or your office and ask for you and see if you were there. What has happened as we transitioned to cell phones is I would call you. We're trying to do the same thing with the health record so that you, it's about the patient, not who delivered the care where it's delivered. So we don't call the facility and say, hey, what do you know about? What do you know about Bill? We just look up Bill's record and through the standards that, we, that uh, ONC helps get in place and the common record that we're using between DOD, VA and the Coast Guard, that full record is available to the providers and the patient uh, when they need access to that information. Holly, how about at healthcare management systems? Uh, once again, why don't you tell us what that is and okay. how you all fit into the superstructure here and then uh, give us an update as to what's happening. Well, the uh, program executive office for defense healthcare management systems is responsible for uh, delivering the DOD um, uh, implementation of the electronic health record. So we partner with Bill Tinston, uh, with Dr. Evans, with uh, actually uh, with ONC as well uh, in terms of standards. But we are looking at uh, implementing a new modern electronic health record across the entire military health system. <clears throat> we are actually about 30% complete with the entire military health system at this point. We've got more than uh, 50,000 users uh, operating at uh, more than 16 states. Um, we're, we're working our, our way from West Coast to East Coast. And actually we have our first uh, deployment at an Oconus uh, site uh, in Hawaii uh, coming up as well. So really excited to start working through um, as we expand beyond CONUS for delivery of the electronic health record. So that's really the foundational work we're doing. We started with, with that EHR and, and bringing uh, standardized workflows and uh, really shifting uh, the mentality from a documentation system to a true workflow system that, that enables the providers uh, to really document as they go and as they're providing care. And so that all feeds into this single common record of where we can start to connect uh, information about that patient. Uh, so that is uh, the foundational work we're starting with. In the other uh, areas within our portfolio, we have the operational medicine, uh, which really is a, um, an extension of the healthcare delivery, but also incorporates all that medical situational awareness uh, that you need in terms of the uh, point of care in uh, theater environment and patient movement and bringing that uh, patient safely back uh, into the healthcare system with all of their records, all of their information. So it's about providing that um, the the healthcare um, when it's needed at the point it's needed and then um, um, bring that in. So that's the operational medicine piece. And then we also have a portfolio for um, uh, business intelligence and uh, data uh, solutions. And that really is uh, more foundational work today where we're working on the platforms for our digital transformation, but it's that connective tissue. Uh, you'll hear me talk a lot today about getting that data where it needs to be for people to make the right decision they need. So whether that's in running the hospital, whether that's uh, information uh, right at the point of care uh, to improve outcomes or improve patient safety, uh, or decisions that are needed in terms of readiness for our, um, our military health system. So uh, working all those pieces together, so kind of the nexus of a lot of the things that have talked about today in terms of getting that out to our DOD users and serving our nine and a half million beneficiaries. Uh, Mo Bean, um, uh, in order to get all these things together, you gotta have these systems and solutions. And I know that ServiceNow has been, uh, been providing some of these types of capabilities. Tell us uh, what's happening at ServiceNow and how you fit into this federal healthcare ecosystem. 
Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Luke, and thanks for having me. Uh, I'll probably echo a little bit of what the previous panelists have already mentioned. Uh, we've had a big focus alongside our federal partners of making life easier for patients, providers, and federal employees. So information technology is obviously at the core of those transitions, how you connect people, functions, and systems. Um, we've seen a couple of things uh, become points of priority as part of all of this, right, especially in the pandemic. So things like digitizing manual systems that have just been hanging around for too long, uh, and then taking existing manual systems and starting to move towards more efficient digital services. So when we talk about digital workflow automation, what, where are our opportunities for streamlining technology services? Been a big point of focus. Um, in addition to that, when we talk about streamlining, we're also talking about innovation. Right. Innovation traditionally has been something that, you know, it, it was looked at as a, a sort of a long term engagement. But what we've been seeing is that CIOs and CTOs want to become more innovative and quicker in projects that won't take, you know, 12 to 18 months. So figuring out ways in which we can deliver um, efficient services and get quick wins. The last thing I'll mention really quickly here that we've seen a lot of is just cloud forward. Right. So getting off of on premise uh, data center work. Uh, trying to figure out how we can leverage the efficiencies of the cloud more effectively. And so we've been a big part of working with our federal customers and federal healthcare customers to help them with all of that. So Nick, I, I just, I think about all the information that's being collected and, uh, and making sure that it's being done securely, efficiently, readily available, immediately able to be retrieved, et cetera. Tell us what's happening at Pure Storage. Uh, I'm sure that uh, you all are just, um, uh, really going guns a blazing here in regards to enabling these capabilities. So the you're you're absolutely right. So sort of as the data, the wholesale data custodians in an architecture, uh, the data service platforms and pure storage, particularly, have focused tremendously on how do we protect the data uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, patient records, hospital systems have become tremendously popular targets for ransomware, as an example. Mm. The, you know, the questions that we present ourselves is since we have, since we have tremendous quantities of patient information, and of course, disease and epidemiology information, um, how do we facilitate uh, technologies within our systems to protect patient data? Um, so we, you know, we've integrated a tremendous amount of technologies that help us create immutable and impermeable uh, component, data components, the patient records themselves to ensure that they are uh, relatively immune to uh, tampering or to uh, crypto locking. And the other thing that we've done is focus a tremendous amount of energy on how do we restore data as quickly as possible. And I'm not talking about a couple of hundred, even a couple of million files, like terabytes per minute. So in the event that we have to bring data back out of escrow or restore it quickly, we can do so in a user meaningful period of time. So if we can bring back you know, several hundred terabytes worth of data within, you know, an hour. That's tremendously beneficial. And I should say several hundred terabytes would take a couple of hours, but that's still tremendously beneficial for an organization to get themselves back in operation as quickly as possible. Okay. I think the second thing that we've done, if I can touch on it very quickly, is uh, we partnered with the National Institute of Health and the Centers for Disease Control last year, um, particularly at the outbreak of the pandemic. And then, of course, as, a, as our understanding of uh, the disease evolved, 
being able to process that data, collect that data, make that data available uh, as quickly as possible, as widely as possible to the, to the, the life sciences community you know, was essential in helping us wrap our arms around what was uh, SARS-CoV-2 and how did it behave? So the ability to continually allow researchers and policymakers to understand the disease itself and its spread and evolution was something that we, you know, we were very proud to be able to partner with and be a part of. So those are probably our, our two biggest uh, components is data protection and then the data analytics and research, data availability and data mobility that support the sort of widespread whole of government efforts uh, to support the health of our citizens. Very big and very important to the ecosystem here. Thank you for that, Nick. Ben, uh, how about at Red Hat? Red Hat, we think of Red Hat as the building blocks of a lot of these uh, these uh, systems and environments. How do they fit into the uh, the healthcare ecosystem? And uh, give us a state of the state there. Yeah, uh, I guess you can say Red Hat's probably the most ubiquitous software company in the world. Um, just by the nature of how many organizations use open source and the specific open source projects that we foster. Um, outside of that, uh, I'd say the thing that's like that we're really excited about and getting involved in the most um, is around the implementation of process automation and the overlap with AI. Mm. Uh, so, so Ryan mentioned the new rollout of you know, data interoperability standards uh, from the ONC. And as an implementer of FHIR standards, uh, I've been able to see the immediate impact on the quality of data accessibility, but um, leaning forward uh, into semantic interoperability, uh, the Mayo Clinic is using process automation technology to drive uh, agile real-time delivery of standards-based clinical care pathways. And um, they're working with standards from the BPM Plus Health Organization under the Object Management Group, which uh, was responsible for widespread automation across manufacturing, finance, supply chain. Uh, and Mayo is one of the, they're a member of the BPM Plus organization, which is inclusive of Department of Veterans Affairs, American College, College of uh, Obstetrics and Gynecology, American College of Surgeons, American College of Emergency Physicians, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the work that they're doing over there is uh, actually raising um, the quality of clinical operations dramatically and allowing for new knowledge from, let's say, NIH and, and ONC to get make its way into uh, care much faster. Um, so we're just in general raising the tides and raising all the boats with it. Um, that, that work is incredibly uh, impactful and something that Red Hat's excited to be a part of. Uh, and then once you've automated these kind of activities, that's where you actually start to see uh, AI in the form of clinical decision support actually get involved in clinical operations. And um, I, there's some, some really cool examples of that that I hope to get into today. Perhaps you'll give us one a little bit later on in the show. Uh, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Did you know the current Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays positions pure storage highest on ability to execute and farthest right on completeness of vision? It is all about managing the data, and Pure is dedicated to transforming the complexities of government IT by delivering a modern data experience. Check out the Gartner Report and learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential at purestorage.com government. 
There's too much confusion with healthcare IT. Systems don't talk, don't share information, don't help agencies provide experiences citizens and employees deserve. And confusion makes us scared. Scared for our health, for our privacy, for our families. ServiceNow is dedicated to making the scary simple. We create modern workflows and opportunities and improve the administration of medical care through innovative health IT services. We want you to feel cared for, not scared. ServiceNow. We make the world of work work better for people. Your ability to innovate relies on more than emerging technology. It's about a new way of working. It's about how your people change behaviors across the organization to transform culture. Red Hat, a globally trusted open source software company, can help your team transform by teaching a more open approach to development and operations through agile principles, empowering a culture of DevSecOps. To learn more, visit redhat.com gov. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about healthcare IT and all things uh, along that ecosystem. Uh, we're going to get into talking about a specific program. I want to start with you, Dr. Evans. A lot of stuff going on over there at VA. You talked about that at the beginning of the show. Give us an example of a specific program that you'd like to highlight for the community here. Well, I think, um, sure. You know, we're still in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, so I would be remiss if I did not talk about our telehealth program in the of VA. Of course. And how that has been really critical to our response to the pandemic. But frankly, um, a lot of that was based on a really strong foundation that VA had built over more than a decade in, in building a strong telehealth program, which was then able to expand very rapidly uh, to address the, 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 the sort of near immediate shift in location of care for many, many, many of our veterans. And just to give you a sense for the scale of the program, um, over the course of the pandemic, uh, VA has provided more than 12.9 million telehealth visits. Um, last month alone, we supported more than 815,000 visits to 482,000 unique veterans um, in one month. I'll give you a, just a, sort of another sense of that scale. Prior to the pandemic, we were doing on the order of 2,000 video visits, connecting veterans in their homes or preferred location to their VA healthcare providers on a typical business day. And um, we have seen numerous days with over 45,000 video visits occurring per day. Wow. Um, business day. So this has really transformed um, really the options for veterans to access their care. Um, this is really part of, you know, when you get down to it, right, when we talk about health information technologies, health, the, 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 to me, the real advantage of health information technologies are the connections that they enable. These technologies allow us to connect the veterans who are looking for their healthcare with their providers. They allow us to connect providers with each other um, because healthcare is ultimately a, te a team effort. Um, and so I think that has been really one of our most important lessons during the pandemic is not just shifting care to veterans in the home where they needed to receive that care, but also leveraging our information technologies to better connect our healthcare teams when they sometimes were no longer co-located in the same place. They may have been seeing patients from home. They may have actually been in the clinic, but for reasons 
of you know, trying to manage COVID risk were staying in separate rooms apart from each other and using technology to make the connections that, that might have in the past um, been made in person. So a, 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 lot, of, um, a lot of opportunity and, and what's exciting to me is um, the opportunity that the healthcare system writ large has now. And this is not a unique story to VA. Um, this has occurred across the Department of Defense, across private sector healthcare, and thinking about what the new normal of healthcare will look like to me is quite exciting. Mobeen, how about at uh, ServiceNow? Give us an example of one program you'd like to highlight that you all are working on to, to help this community. Sure, I'll, I'll mention I'll mention a couple. I'll start off with one that <clears throat> uh, immediately comes to mind, which is some work that we did with Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, CMS. And so we did some work uh, started early this year uh, within three months. And, and the focus of this work was really about modernizing the employee experience within the organization. So we worked with them to design an employee portal called CMS Connect, it's powered by ServiceNow. And the employee portal is really a one-stop one shop for the agency. It's front and center. Uh, it is facilitating a number of things like employee return back to work. Um, it takes advantage of a number of core features within the platform. So, you know, just being able to enable conversational services. I know there was some discussion earlier about things like machine learning and natural language understanding. And so it takes advantage of all of that. A knowledge base. So if users need to find information, request-based workflows, um, searching for information, um, even dashboarding and analytics. It's been a really critical and pivotal piece of the overall modernized employee experience within the agency. Uh, another program I'll mention quickly also within CMS was just being able to help them when the pandemic kicked off with the 1135 waiver program. And so you think about just the 1135 waivers in general and the way in which they allow um, beneficiaries and providers to waive various administrative requirements to increase access to medical services during national emergencies. That was obviously a really big thing during COVID. And so being able to facil facilitate that reimbursement during the emergency, even if providers were unable to comply with certain requirements that would be required under normal circumstances, um, we were able to provide an interface that those providers and others could use to submit those waiver claims and to help broker and shepherd and orchestrate that entire process end to end. So just a couple of stories there that come to mind. Ryan, um, you, you top lined a lot of stuff that's going on there across the ecosystem. And I see all this fantastic outreach. Give us an example of, of one program that you'd like to highlight that uh, you all are working on to uh, uh, further the cause in the ecosystem. Yeah, happy to. Um, I, I failed to mention earlier our, our work on health equity by design, and that's tied very closely to the US CDI and the introduction just in this last version of the inclusion of social determinants of health data, SDOH uh, and SOGI data, um, that helps to reduce healthcare inequities and that ultimately we've seen result in health disparities. And this, I think, is based on not just what we've seen throughout the provider community, but also again, with feedback from our federal partners, um, the firm and the VA among them. And, and one pilot program that we're really proud of is called the Leading Edge Acceleration uh, Project or LEAP. And we started that work a couple of years ago, but we're, this year's program is really exciting. It's based out of UT Austin. And as Ben mentioned, we are big proponents of um, fast healthcare interoperability resources or FIRE based approaches, and these are more advanced than, than some can adopt, you know, 
uh, right now across the continuum, but in the pockets where, where that's working and where there are private sector partners that understand how to navigate the tools, um, it's, it's really a powerful way to advance the exchange of information in, in not only clinical context, but also non-traditional uh, healthcare environments. So health and human services uh, at the state level, community-based organizations, federally qualified health centers. Uh, we hope um, this will be pervasive throughout, um, throughout the country, but this pilot um, is going to really help to pilot um, the referral management tools that are based on uh, an accelerator out of HL7 health level, health level seven international that we, we work really closely with. Um, that is, is one way that we support semantic inter interoperability again that others have talked about, uh, but we want to, uh, and we really feel confident that this is going to help enable health IT for everyone and to help with um, treatment, uh, transitions of care, and uh, referrals that so that the patient can take their information with them and providers on both sides can get access to the information they need um, in a seamless, really non-obtrusive uh, and privacy protected also is important to mention fashion, uh, closed loop, truly closed loop. And um, again, all tied back to the baseline um, SDOH data that's all collected in a standardized kind of clean, clean format. Um, so that's that's one example we're really excited about. And another one I'll just mention is our partnerships uh, with NIH and CDC uh, and the U.S. Digital Service to help, again, deploy fire-based solutions for uh, public-private partnership purposes uh, in the pandemic. And two examples, we probably don't have time to get into it today, to your point about needing, needing a full day, but uh, making uh, the data from at-home COVID testing more readily available and also making that patients uh, and and everyday uh, people across the country can can find out how to get um, whether it's vaccine information or whatever in, information they need uh, at their fingertips. Nick uh, Ryan referred to uh, all this information and certainly uh, securing it. You touched on that. Give us an example of a program you'd like to highlight uh, that you're uh, uh, furthering the uh, the cause here in this community. Thanks, Luke. We've been we've been very proud to partner for a number of years now with uh, the Veterans Administration and more recently with the Defense Health Agency. So the, the criticality of making data available, protecting it, uh, increasing the velocity of those systems to provide better patient outcomes, to provide more efficient management of the agency's operations is really fundamental. But one of the things you don't hear anybody talk about is the criticality of IT systems management. And there's a, it's not. That's not anybody's core focus. Uh, so that's actually another thing that we've, you know, we've primarily focused on over, you know, since our founding is how do we make IT work for people, not people work for IT. So helping agencies modernize their infrastructure to create a modern data experience instead of a modern systems experience. And to make that all seamless enables people to focus on doing their, doing their work and serving their customer base, serving the communities that they are established uh, to deliver services for veterans, military, dependents. And the other thing that we focus on is data mobility and availability. Uh, Holly and I were chatting on the back channel. The, the Department of Defense probably has the most mobile, mobile workforce on the planet. So how do we help the data move to where the community moves, every individual service member? And they go places 
where there is no service infrastructure. So how do we help support healthcare operations forward in the battlefield? How do we help support dependent healthcare at home? And how do we help move that data from Europe to the continental United States to far-flung reaches of the Pacific? Those are all the things that, that we focus on. And we've been tremendously uh, proud to help support the agency's efforts to support that data mobility, portability, and availability worldwide. Uh, and it'll continue to be core to what we do. And what we do in the, the government healthcare space is mirrored by what we do in the civilian healthcare space as well. So some of the largest patient record management platforms in the world are built on pure storage, not just in the United States, but also um, in Europe, in Germany, in Asia. So this is a critical area. Data is the fundamental uh, component in patient management and healthcare and in research today. And it's our job to make sure that it's available, it's fast, it's accessible, and it's protected. And we're going to continue doing that. Holly, how about over at Defense Healthcare? Um, give us an example of a program you'd like to highlight. Well, you know, when I, I started out uh, talking about our electronic health record and really mm -hmm. that being the foundation, but it's really about how we're using uh, that data. Uh, and so I'd like to highlight a couple areas where we're really pushing that data centric model. I really liked what Nick said about um, the modern data experience versus a modern, modern system experience, like shifting from that system focus to uh, that data centric model. And so we've looked at it from a registry perspective. For instance, when the pandemic kicked off, um, you know, we had when our uh, response were looking at how can we use the registry information we have to really start to track this long term. So our EADS team created uh, this pandemic registry. Uh, where we're able to track and pull in all the data that's happening in disparate places for lab testing and um, now vaccinations. And we'll be able to create that sort of longitudinal research and look at uh, the COVID information. All of the work we've done in the platform space uh, to the point of being able to say, um, you know, making it work for you. We did all this background work leading up to, you know, being able to have that cloud environment, being able to get things to where it needs to be, enabled us to actually be able to provide that data, to provide the data to the CDC when needed, to provide it to the states, to provide um, where we were in, in this um, in, in this response, this massive response where we had to have data really at our fingertips, right? It's it's sounds easy to say, oh, connect it all together, right? But we all know in the, working in this industry, it's a lot harder to do than it is to say. And so um, really- you know what we're talking about here. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's getting that in, in um, the hands of the people that need it. And so, so from COVID registry information to, um, I'll just give an example of opioid registries, for instance, being mm. able to put that information right in the, um, hands of a provider without them having to go look at a bunch of different systems. So you're able to connect that information in the back end and have it show up and say, hey, this is, uh, you know, a pharmacist can get an alert uh, after, you know, the system can scan, you know, 285 data points and say, hey, this person is at risk for an opioid uh, overdose. Uh, you may want to prescribe um, the, the drug to, to ensure that they do not um, overdose or that needs to be tracked. Uh, same thing for any kind of um, monitoring and looking at behavioral health. I mean, all of these things are about trying to take all these disparate pieces of information that we collect um, 
you know, uh, I'll quote uh, Colonel Kalina at our defense, uh, at the Defense Health Agency uh, Health Informatics Office. Uh, he talks about, you know, we're not data blind, we're in a data blizzard, like we can't see, you know, we've, we've got to figure out how to parse all of that information yeah. and get it into meaningful ways. And so I just, you know, it's not a single program, it is uh, a lot of things that we are doing on a daily basis to connect that information um, beyond just, oh, here's an electronic health record. It's how do we use that information to improve care? And I wanted, before I moved on, I wanted to highlight one other thing uh, too with, uh, with Dr. Evans talking a lot about connected care. I, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, the veteran, the VA on this uh, as a result of all the hard work that they have done over the years in building that foundation for connected care. The Department of Defense was able to leverage uh, their video connect um, processes, their actual code, uh, things that they uh, have done to really build that uh, video telehealth capability. Uh, we were able to leverage that during the pandemic and we've launched enterprise-wide uh, video connect capability as well based on, on what the VA has done. So it's been a really fabulous partnership working through the firm and also with, with Dr. Evans over uh, in the VA. Ben, how about at Red Hat? You brought up a couple of interesting examples uh, on your last round here, give us one specific program you'd like to highlight. Uh, I'm gonna step outside of the federal for a second. Um, sure. There's some similar activities like this happening within the federal government with some of our customers, but we're, I'm not allowed to talk about them yet. So this is a bit of a, uh, a facsimile. Um, so ben, H you're on a radio show, go ahead. No, <laughs> HCA Healthcare, okay, is very large integrated healthcare system. Um, they used Red Hat open source software to create a uh, scalable container-based machine learning platform uh, focused to collect and analyze clinical data and signal caregivers in real time to initiate early sepsis care. Um, the group also used automation management analytics and uh, to support the real-time data collection analysis and, uh, and proactively create uh, notifications. Um, but at the end of this, they're able to detect and identify sepsis up to 20 hours earlier than traditional screening methods, um, which is directly saving lives in the thousands and thousands and thousands. Um, in addition, uh, HCA Healthcare used this new technology capabilities um, to establish a health system that is decreasing the risk and cost of innovation. So they're rolling out new algorithms on the same platform and taking advantage of real-time data streaming uh, and then real-time inference from that streaming data. And uh, it's, it's actually directly affecting uh, quality of care. Uh, and they figured out how to inject the AI into an actual clinical operation. And that, that's what I had talked about earlier. Um, that's really where I see the technology, um, the emerging technologies that we all hear so much about actually get used and actually make a difference. Yeah, layering that uh, that comprehensive new technology capability on top of all this data that's now available. Fast, fascinating. Um, we're going to have to keep it right there, and uh, we're going to take a short break. We'll we'll be right back. Uh, you're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Did you know the current Gartner Magic Quadrant for primary storage arrays positions pure storage highest on ability to execute and farthest right on completeness of vision? It is all about managing the data, and Pure is dedicated to transforming the complexities of government IT by delivering a modern data experience. Check out the Gartner Report and learn how Pure can help your agency reach its data potential 
at purestorage.com government. There's too much confusion with healthcare IT. Systems don't talk, don't share information, don't help agencies provide experiences citizens and employees deserve. And confusion makes us scared. Scared for our health, for our privacy, for our families. ServiceNow is dedicated to making the scary simple. We create modern workflows and opportunities and improve the administration of medical care through innovative health IT services. We want you to feel cared for, not scared. ServiceNow. We make the world of work work better for people. Your ability to innovate relies on more than emerging technology. It's about a new way of working. It's about how your people change behaviors across the organization to transform culture. Red Hat, a globally trusted open source software company, can help your team transform by teaching a more open approach to development and operations through agile principles, empowering a culture of DevSecOps. To learn more, visit redhat.com go. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. We're talking about information technology in regards to healthcare, having a fascinating conversation here about uh, all things healthcare and the use of technology. Uh, Bill, I'm going to throw it over to you and ask you to give a specific program you'd like to highlight uh, for the uh, listening audience. Thanks, Luke. And I really appreciate you having me go last. And I mean that very sincerely because I got to listen to what everyone else is doing. And it reminded me that what we do at the firm, and I'm gonna view the firm as a program, is focus on the things that we do together, right? So, so Nick was talking about people, we need to get away from the systems approach. We need to take a data approach. We need to provide the capabilities and we need to manage the IT in the background. <clears throat> That's where the firm comes in when it comes to the electronic health record, right? We have three different departments using a single record. You need a single provider, a single operator of that and a single protector of that enclave environment and delivery of those capabilities. So <clears throat> we're focused there. Ryan talked about uh, the fire standards, right? And the, the firm and the DOD and the VA got together, they singled up on the, and created the Joint Health Information Exchange where we have a single exchange with industry partners and uh, commercial community healthcare providers uh, to, to deal with those two massive healthcare systems. So. And, and we're shifting all of that to the fire standards where you get better usability of the data, better accessibility, more relevant data, right? Providers can specify once you've implemented the fire standards, the domains that they're interested in, and that's the kind of information that comes back. So when you're creating this record about uh, this image and picture of the data about a patient, not where the care was delivered or who delivered the care, uh, the fire standards and, and a singled up joint health information exchange make a tremendous impact. Neil talked and, and Holly talked uh, also about uh, the, the connected care and the, the, the telehealth and the ability to extend uh, the workflows and the access to care through electronic means and how important that became during the pandemic. And, and, and Holly, Holly addressed, and, and through the firm, we made all these connections and we brought everyone together. The, the DOD was able to sort of bootstrap themselves up and take advantage of the, the, the years long work that the VA had put into creating that connected care experience bringing that same technology over to, to the DOD and looking at it from the common record and extension of those, those workflows that are being delivered in the, in, through the electronic health record, uh, get singling that up and sharing it across the broader space. I'm gonna swing over to priorities uh, at this point uh, because we're getting a little tight on time. I wanna make sure we get to those. Ryan, top priority for you this year. Yeah, that's pretty easy for us. Um, you or some of you may remember in 2016 that Congress passed a bipartisan piece of legislation called the 21st Century Cures Act. Mm -hmm. And that uh, 
supports the information sharing and the trusted exchange and the creation of what's called TEFCA, the Trusted Exchange Framework and Common Agreement provision of that of that um, of that legislation. And we are very uh, focused. This is where a, a lot of our team is spending their time. As we've all noted, there's been a lot of progress made, but there is still patchiness. Um, and it's really still very difficult to navigate the blizzard as Holly, uh, we're definitely gonna have to use that and to find that relevant and, and reusable data and information and uh, especially between hospitals and ambulatory practices. So we are very focused on uh, ramping up and supporting uh, nationwide networks. Dr. Evans, how about a VA top priority for you all? I think pulling together a lot of what we've heard today Health information technology performs well when we have a relentless focus on the user, the user's experience, meeting the user's need, building systems that delight the user because they're bringing the right data together at the right time. That is that interacting with these information technology systems solves real problems, real problems for the healthcare providers who are delivering the care who have an overwhelming amount of responsibility on a daily basis that we're empowering their experience, um, but also solving real problems for, for our customers, patients, in our case, VA veterans, as they access care, making it easier for them to navigate the healthcare system to get access to their own healthcare data. And we only accomplish that when we come with a mindset uh, that has a relentless focus on user, user-centered design, the user experience, configuring a joint electronic health record between DOD and VA in a way that empowers care delivery and empowers those who are doing it. So that to me is, is really our top priority. Bill, top priority for the firm this year. At the firm, our top priority at the moment is transforming the experience uh, with the EHR into IT that you don't have to think about, or as Nick said, IT that works for you instead of IT that you work for. He said something like that. So to accomplish that, we're focused on what we can do with the the, the Federal Healthcare Center, James A. Level Federal Healthcare Center, which is a joint site between DOD and VA, a very integrated Ooh. site, bringing the modern record, the improved health record, harmonizing the workflows at that location, to me serves as a real prototype of what we can do to bring the IT together and take that out of the equation when the VA health system and the DOD health system wanna make decisions about how they best work together to support the patients of the two systems. So. And the patients are often the same people, right? The, the DOD creates veterans, and then the VA serves those veterans uh, for the remainder of their life. So, so, so what we do up in, in North Chicago is a prototype for how the two can work together uh, without IT being the consideration and the determination of, of how they can be connected and, and where they can share resources. Holly, number one priority for defense healthcare management systems this year. Well, um... Aside from uh, working through the uh, highest uh, slope of our deployment uh, strategy, where we're working through um, a, a significant number of uh, military treatment facilities uh, this year with uh, the EHR, I would say for me, it's about modernizing the healthcare delivery aspect uh, for associated with readiness. So from an operational perspective, really, um, you know, we started out focusing on um, healthcare delivery in sort of what I'll say the garrison environment and extending that and leveraging that how do we how do we improve that care from a readiness perspective how does it tie to uh, the services needs to understand whether um, their medical force is ready to deploy and support in those environments or on the flip side whether all of the the 
troops who are all the servicemen and women are um, are ready to actually uh, go deploy based on their medical condition and priorities. So how do we um, modernize um, the data centric uh, approach uh, to that uh, readiness information and improve our posture from a defense perspective. So really that's kind of my, my shift gear is to, to, to get those foundations in place so that we can connect that data for operational support. Ben, uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with you, and uh, what we'd like to do is talk about uh, you know what the future looks like, right? Uh, if we could fast forward two to three years, and you look around at Red Hat, uh, what can we expect to see? What's the demand signal coming in that you all are going to be working on that undoubtedly you'll be delivering in let's say two to three years? Uh, I would definitely uh, want to focus a little bit of the conversation on uh, what we're seeing with edge computing. Uh, so essentially providing. Uh, incredible compute power to areas of the world that hasn't hasn't had it before. Um, so, you know, to, uh, for DHA, for instance, is really focused on getting compute onto uh, onto ships into uh, or deployed field hospitals. And once you have compute in those locations, you can do some pretty incredible things. Um, so we're really hyper uh, focused on that. And then the other one is, um, you know, with the federal EHRM programs, um, you know, modernizing in general and and uh, putting a lot of effort into uh, bringing uh, new EHRs online. Um, there's a lot of VPM-based workflows that are getting established uh, to assure critical uh, workflows are maintained during transi those transitions. And I'd, I'd really like to see those standards-based workflows be automated and directly communicating with existing and new IT systems. Nick, how about at Pure Storage? Uh, what are we thinking in three years? What do you all have uh, cooking up there in the lab that you're going to be introducing to the community to continue to support these daunting efforts. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull a thread on something Ben said about computing at the edge. So our job is to make sure that the data is at the edge for the compute to work with as well. And, and to Ben's point, that these services and processes become ubiquitous. So our, our continuing focus is on extend, extending uh, data service from the edge to the core across uh, on-premises and off-premises infrastructures. Think of it as data without borders to go with doctors without borders. Um, so extend the data protection capabilities, data management and services that seamlessly unify data across the cloud and on-premises. And of course, making things bigger and faster because data is getting bigger and the demand for timeliness of that data is, is continuing to increase as well. So we're seeing, in enterprise spaces, industrial spaces, and government spaces, everybody expects their data and their services to move at the same speed as their smartphone does. And why not? Yeah, so absolutely. our job will make that happen. Well, Bean, how about at ServiceNow? Uh, undoubtedly, you all are developing new capabilities out there to continue to rapidly deploy these environments that you described earlier. Uh, what can we expect in three years? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a lot going on, obviously. I'll mention a couple of things, and these are things that I see as well as just, you know, federal priorities that are coming up more and more. Uh, the first being security. So I know that's been a point of discussion a little bit here today. So NIST 800-207, zero trust. How do we facilitate or work with our agent, uh, customers and federal partners to really establish and institute a zero trust architecture? Um, uh, another major part of it is just modernizing the employee experience. You talk about things like attracting and retaining talent, how to help compensate for an aging workforce. Uh, you may need people that have new or different skill sets. Um, 
there are situations where you want to reduce your dependence on contractors. Again, these are common things that we're seeing from different federal agencies and having the technology and systems and workflows to enable that is important. Um, another component of this is just brand awareness and reputation management, which has become that much more important in a digital economy. Right. So you think about the institutional trust and confidence in patient services and beneficiary services and just core federal services, both within the organization and outside of it and the way the technology can help with that. That's been a major point of focus for us and the type of solutions that we've developed and work with our federal partners on to help them institute. And then the last thing I'll mention quickly is just low code, no code application development. And so just sunsetting some of those legacy solutions that are just, you know, at times difficult to manage, uh, may have been poorly designed, um, you know, just becoming a little more agile, figuring out ways to get those things, uh, you know, quickening the time, time to value. So Yeah, just taking advantage of these new environments. Thank you. Holly, uh, you talked about, uh, you know, you're just doing a, a uh, and uh, I think an Oconus environment, uh, you're about a third of the way through. What's it going to look like in two to three years? You're going to have a bow on that one and you're, you're off to the rest of it. Uh, what can we expect over the next uh, year? Um, but we will actually, we're on uh, GlidePath to be complete with all our deployments of the EHR uh, by the end of calendar year 23. And wow. so our focus in the next couple of years is really about enhancing. So it, um, and we've adopted a continuous delivery model. So we're not just delivering a baseline and then trying to improve it after we're done deployments. We're doing mm -hmm. this in parallel. And so we have this continuous delivery model uh, where we're all the time looking at uh, the user needs enhancements. And so it gets to be, okay, where, where are there gaps? Where are there new innovations that we can take advantage of for industry to connect information? How do we get more, um, like I said, integrated with the, the point of care um, that's really from an EHR focus uh, what I think we, we will be doing in the next couple years because obviously we you know we'll, we'll have uh, the deployments complete so we'll be focused on on how do we enhance that user experience and, and provide new capabilities and then in the rest of the the data realm again it's really how do we turn that data into action so um, you know, right now we're just scratching the surface of what we can do with the data, right? It's, you know, there are certain things that we know we can integrate in, but we don't know what we're going to uncover by having this plethora of data available to us. And now that we can mine it, it's really about um, how do we, how do we turn that into action into something that's really a, a value proposition for having that at, at our, at our fingertips. So that's, that's what I'm focused on in the next few years. Very exciting times there. Bill, how about at the firm? Uh, what's it going to look like in a couple of years out there for you all? Well, Luke, what I think is, is uh, most interesting is in a couple of years, everything we've talked about here will be in place, right? Holly will have delivered the, the, the EHR and, and have the data foundational stuff in place. The VA will have done this the same thing. So what I look forward to in a few years is, is, is what happens next. And, and I'm not gonna tell you what it is because I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. Like many of the big things we do, um, you know, as a society, um, we know the problems that we're solving, right? We know why we're doing the things we're doing today, but it creates a different environment. And there are things that we're going to enable by getting all the, making all the data available, making it more usable through the fire standards. All of these things that everyone's talking about here are going to create opportunities that none of us can envision yet. So we're gonna bring AI in and I don't know what's gonna happen, but we are taking the right steps now to solve immediate problems, yes, but to position us for a transformation in healthcare delivery as we move forward. Uh, fascinating to think about uh, what may or may not be able to happen uh, going forward. Uh, Dr. Evans at the, uh, uh, tell us, uh, 
in two to three years, uh, if I'm a freshly minted veteran, let's say, if I can use that term with all due respect, uh, am I ever going to even go into a VA facility or are I going to be able to do all this remotely, electronically, comprehensively? Uh, you know, Luke, healthcare will always have an in-person component, but I think <clears throat> as we think two years, three years into the future, our vision really is that we should be able to provide trusted care. And that's really what we're here to do in the federal healthcare system in both the Department of Defense and in the VA is to deliver a high quality product that is healthcare, relationships with healthcare providers who are bringing the best science and the best knowledge to the table, but delivering that trusted care anytime and anywhere. It's operating more as a real-time healthcare system where, for example, these health information technologies in the background are supporting the workflow to get people connected in real time with somebody who can help address their healthcare needs. Um, and that we're able to deliver that anywhere, which often will be in person, sometimes will be remote, but may also be increasingly sharing between, for example, the DOD and VA healthcare systems, which will be operating on the single common record as we move forward. So a tremendous opportunity for us to start to rethink what that experience of anytime, anywhere healthcare feels like. Sounds fascinating, and we certainly look forward to it. Ryan, you are in a uh, unique uh, position there to sort of look at the overall superstructure uh, as you uh, stay ahead of the curve there. Um, what can we expect in two to three years from, uh, from where you stand in your perspective at the National Coordinator for Health IT? So maybe when I say this out loud, it'll it'll uh, come to fruition. But what I would like to see happen is that we continue to work together to leverage existing standards and the existing foundation that we've worked for decades and that this country has invested a lot of money to build over the years and that we transfer that same objective approach to the management of information to how we work together and how we communicate and understand the networks, that we, how we understand the needs that we have as organizations or industry partners, uh, and that we do all of that to try and row in the same direction to build uh, a truly universally uh, interoperable system. So that's what that's what I hope to see, and I think healthcare IT pre pre presents us with a really unique opportunity because it's something, no matter what your background or political affiliation or personal views, that it really is something we can all agree on as a basic human right and uh, using data to, to keep things um, non-charged, non if you will. I, I think that's what we're gonna continue to see through the use of technology in the future. Well, that's a great way to wrap it up. And uh, I just wanna thank all of today's guests for, uh, for taking the time out of your busy schedule for today and for everything that you do on behalf of all the veterans, uh, all the folks that are in the DOD, uh, every American citizen that needs healthcare, right, is gonna uh, be taking advantage and has taken advantage of these capabilities that you're describing there. So I thank all of you. I also wanna thank the sponsors here for supporting us on this show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Network for making our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the listening audience out there that tune into us every month. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the Federal Executive Forum series on Federal News Network. This show was produced by Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen to the show in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.